in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, my goodness. Anybody see this picture in the in the New York Post? What a heartbreaking picture. Beautiful family. And uh, the husband was just murdered by a group of crazy kids down in the Rockaways. Uh, the, the cab driver I heard about this story. It was sad, but now I see the pictures. It's even, it's just, it, oh gosh, it's really going to, it's going to bother me for a long time, I think. This guy, this uh, hardworking immigrant, I believe from West Africa, raising a family, lived up in the Bronx, and uh, he takes a bunch of kids, probably five of them, from Manhattan all the way down to Rockaway, where they lived. And guess what? When they got there, they didn't want to pay. And um, there's an argument. The guy jumps out of the cab. I mean, that's a that's a big cab ride. That's 50 60 maybe even $70. And five of those kids, they could have split. They could have they paid the guy. But nope, instead they beat him up. Um, boys and girls. I saw a couple of girls kick the guy in the head. And uh, I don't think they wanted to kill him. But you know what? You kick a guy in the head, you just might kill him. And uh, one guy punches him. It looks like it's all going to end, all right? And then another guy's got to get a couple of more licks in, punches him three times, and he falls down, and he hits his head in the pavement and cracks his skull, and he's dead now. Um, and I'm reading from his wife what a good, good man this was. So hardworking. The children are like three, four, and five, really young and uh, there's a suspect in custody, 20-year-old Amos, his name is, um, Stuart Amos. You know, at one point you'd say, well, this guy's life is ruined too, which is also kind of heartbreaking in and of itself. But I think it's even more heartbreaking if this guy gets out of jail in, uh, in three days. Well, he only tried to punch him. He didn't use a weapon. He only used his fist. He just might get out of jail, just like that other maniac did who punched the Asian woman. Uh, what was his name? Alexander Wright. Punches an Asian. You know, our government is failing us in every single possible way. This man was living the American dream, and that American dream has been decades in the making. That you can come here from anywhere in the world or be born in this country, whatever, it doesn't matter. Work hard, uh, play by the rules, and you can make it. Yeah. Oh, is that a chump dream? Well, the mainstream media and Democrats have been telling us that if you fall for that junk, you are uh, you're a chump. It's not junk; it's beautiful. It's kept this it's fueled this country for our entire history up until about eight minutes ago. Black Lives Matter shows up in 2020, tells us the whole damn system is broken and uh, systemically racist, and you are uh, entitled to this and that and the other thing. Where are reparations? Uh, the American nightmare, the American nightmare has taken over. And the casualties, though, are guys like this. This hardworking man from um, Africa comes here, raises a family, and bam, punched in the head. Punched in the head, now he's dead. Uh, it really is the American nightmare. All of these lies that have been told about us. Now, what else could have fueled this? I think, really, you see rampant shoplifting, crime going unaddressed, Police, for understandable reasons, just <laughs> are out to protect themselves. I mean, my gosh, if they do anything, everybody takes out their camera. Lawyers show up. 
the city council passes all kinds of rules. You can touch this body part, but not that body part. Anything above the waist is a problem. If you grab somebody by the torso, you can't. Um, who would ever want to be a police officer right now? Who would ever want to do that? Or a cab driver. My gosh, I have a lot of respect for these guys. Uh, in fact, about two weeks ago, I interviewed uh, Hussein. Hussein came here from Ghana, and I had a one-hour conversation with him. You can go to the GregKellyPodcast.com and, and listen to it if you want. A little bit about their challenges, what it's like coming here. And um, interesting, he pointed out that the racism he's experienced, and he is from Ghana, uh, tends to come from people of color, actually. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that, but he said, yeah, there's a lot of hostility from people of color, a lot of people telling him to go back to Africa. You can tell by his voice that he's uh, not a native to New York. He grew up uh, yeah, in West Africa, and uh, some folks who happen to be of color were giving him a hard time about that, <laughs> a real hard time. So what do we think, huh? Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed... Saying goodbye to Liz Cheney, but they will keep propping her up. Hey, more on that. You know who I'm so totally sick of and over? Mike Pence. Enough with this guy. He's He always tries to figure out which way Donald Trump is going, and then he waits for the mainstream media to uh, beat up on Trump, and then he shows up two days later saying a milder version of what the mainstream media once said, right? He's always to the left of Trump and pretty close to what the mainstream media wants. Uh, I'll say this. The FBI has made some troubling decisions. However, we can never, ever question the integrity of the men and women of the FBI. Well, why not? Why why, why can't we? Peter Strzok, did anybody hear it? That was a, he was a rank and file agent. Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe. You're damn right we can question it. This is not a police state. We don't work for them. They work for us. Mike Pence, huh? Let's see here. Mike Pence, uh, where is uh, Cut one. I also want to remind my fellow Republicans, we can hold the Attorney General accountable for the decision that he made without attacking rank-and-file law enforcement personnel at the FBI. The Republican Party is the party of law and order. Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Again, he waits, he waits, and then he shows up. All right? He's not out there in the, in the heat of the moment. He's not leading. He's seeing which way things go, and then he weighs in. Now, of course, we support the police. And, uh, you know, I heard Merrick Garland say, we stand with the FBI. I actually don't know if I agree with that. I mean, the FBI, again, they're subordinate to the people. And in a weird way, Merrick Garland is a representative of the people. Hear me out here. Joe Biden was elected. Not really, but whatever. So officially, he's a representative of the people. And the people entrust the president to appoint somebody he knows and trusts and likes and believes in to run the Justice Department. That guy is responsible to the people. You don't serve with them. They serve us. You got it? You, they are subordinate to us. They are subordinate to the people. And more and more I hear, I don't know, they don't see it that way. 
that somehow they're in charge and they are beyond question. I went through it on the Newsmax show, and more and more people, I notice, are are writing stories about this. The FBI has screwed up so many things, and they've been involved in so much corruption going back decades. And just about every time there's a school shooter, there's um, any kind of mass gun incident, the FBI, you ever notice, they always talk to him like nine months earlier. (laughs) They always, uh, yeah, we had our eye on that guy, but we didn't do anything. I find that, um, I don't know, I think they've overextended themselves and over-advertised. They're portraying themselves like a national police force. They are not that. It's something different. They're uh, investigators for, for who exactly? For the U.S. attorneys. Hey, in Texas, they are banning the Bible. Not, not all of Texas, but one school district. I knew this would happen. I knew it would come to this. You know, inside the Bible, there's all kinds of... <laughs> They're all kinds of pretty wild stories. It is the greatest book. It is the greatest story. Uh, But some of them are a little bit eye-opening. It's a beautiful story. You can be saved. You can have a conversation with God. It's the most amazing thing. It's uh, really the entry entry to everything. All right? Everything good. You can start that conversation. You can get into the Bible. But there's no but. And (laughs) when you read the Bible, there is... There's murder, there's pestilence, there are instances of uh, incest, and I think they're saying, well, you see this, this is not appropriate. I knew it would come to this. I knew they would start talking about this. You can go into uh, the public library there in um, Nowheresville, Texas, and you can get a copy of, uh, what what is that book called? Queer Boy, Lawn Kid, what is it that everybody, Queer Boy, right? Lawn Kid, Lawn Boy, and the other one is Queer Something. Those are the two hot books right now in the library. They're for young adults, and they're all about sexualizing, um, what do we call them, tweens. Tweens. Hey, do you have that Sam Harris clip? Sam Harris is this uh, brainiac lefty slash technologist, and he is essentially admitting that there was a conspiracy to uh, steal the election in 2020. Now, his point is, though, it was worth it. It was worth it because Trump was that bad, so we had to get together. And still, do you guys see that yet? All right, do me a favor, go ahead and find it because everyone's talking about it on social media. Sam Harris, not exactly a household name, but they love him in Silicon Valley. And I am not going to be following every little thing with this uh, affidavit. It's like the Russia investigation all over again. The whole damn thing against Trump is a scam. And I'm just not going to. The judge in 20 minutes will reveal applications to unseal the affidavit. Well, the affidavit is bogus. The search was bogus. All of it. Now, in in its totality, now, do I have to get into the weeds? Will that help? I don't know. I don't think so. Ultimately, this is not going to take Trump down. It's not going to work. I mean, did I... uh, did I cost myself by not going into, well, Eric Prince went to Malta in 2016 to meet with, uh, who is that guy, uh, Marangold. And just, no, the details of it are not important. Know this. This was a scam to take out Trump, and it's not going to work. I am convinced. It's just, uh, oh, one thing they love to talk about, anything Trump-related. Do you realize one year ago right now, Afghanistan was falling? And 35 million people are in poverty. There are people selling organs over there, children selling organs. They never note these anniversaries on television. What anniversaries capture their attention? 
Anything related to their precious Mueller investigation? Cut 20. It's May 9th, one year ago today. James Comey was fired. Are you kidding me? Changing political history wow. as we know it. Exactly one year ago today. While Comey was on the West Coast, his firing was delivered via a letter in a manila envelope. One year ago today, started out like any other crazy day in Washington, and it ended in President Trump's surprise firing of then FBI Director James Comey. Oh my gosh, wow. So... Who cares, right? I mean, <laughs> and did anybody really, James Comey, James Comey was very fireable. Even Democrats hated that guy. They blamed him for Hillary losing the election. Remember when he had that press conference and sent that letter and uh, Anthony Weiner's laptop and all that stuff? They hated that guy right up until Trump fired him. That termination of Comey started the whole Russia probe. And uh, it never ended. It never stopped. Hey, Liz Cheney is out there lying right now about the the voicemail. So she called her opponent. You know, she lost by 35 points. First of all, how about did we play? It's so pompous, just so pompous. The whole Reagan, uh, I'm sorry, Lincoln comparison. Uh, give me a break. I am delighted, though. Del- wait, 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 wait. Uh, let's hear from her. Let's hear from her. The victor, Harriet Hageman, please. Cut 11. Wyoming has spoken on behalf of everyone all across this great country who believes in the American dream, who believes in liberty, and who recognizes that our natural rights, the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, equal protection, and due process come from God. All right. Nice lady. Not the most, uh, and nice thoughts. Good for her. Uh, You know, I don't get to watch the Tucker Carlson show, but he said something about this. Cut nine. We thought we would ask a pretty simple question. How does Liz Cheney get so rich? She's been a member of Congress for six years. Now, so when she took office in 2017, her net worth was estimated at $7 million, which is a lot for someone with no skills, but that's what she had. Now she's worth more than $44 million, according to the Center for Responsive Politics, which looked at her financial disclosure forms. Now, probably an honest explanation for all of this. We're not accusing her of robbing liquor stores, but you have to wonder, how did Liz Cheney make more than $36 million in six years of public service? That's $6 million a year. Huh, good gig. She didn't report any earned income, gifts, or transactions in her disclosure form. Her top-listed assets were Citibank, $3 million dollars, and money from her husband's law firm, Latham & Watkins, also $3 million. There's also money from a family trust. We assume that accounted for a lot of the cash, but we don't know. All right. Good for Tucker, although I reported that about um, six weeks ago. <laughs> I did. And uh, uh, she's worth uh, $44 million, Tucker said. Well, her, her father is worth over $100 million. And it is a big mystery because she's been in public service, quote-unquote public service, for just about all of her adult life. She had jobs at the State Department. She had jobs at the World Bank. She's, uh, well, she's a swamp rat. And she's rich. Gosh, $44 million. Can you imagine that? How many, let's say you make $100,000 a year. How long would it take you to save, 40, if you could save all of it, uh, 44 years, I think, right? It would take four, wait, 44 million. It would, I don't know. How do you do the math on that? It would take 400 years, 100,000. How do you, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm helpless with this stuff, but it would take a long time. And her old man is worth over a hundred million dollars. By the way, at least he's gone. You want to be scared again? Do we have that? Uh, here's Dick Cheney. Uh, sorry, Dick. Goodbye. Cut 25. Liz is fearless. 
She never backs down from a fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. That's the part that kind of scares me. Never again near the Oval Office. They have to indict him. They have to arrest him. They have to do something possibly worse, I fear. Are they going to try it? You heard what Bernie Kerrick said. I don't think he was wrong. They could try They'll do anything to stop this guy. Hey, what's wrong with being white? The New York Times is taking a lot of heat. What did they do? They endorsed three men who are not of color. Three white men for various seats in Congress. Now, they're all liberal lunatics. I don't like them for that reason, but uh, the readers don't like them because they are white and because they are men. More when I come back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so who the hell is Sam Harris? Seriously, who is this guy? You guys ever hear of him? I hear he's popular with the millennials. Uh, Sam Harris is, uh, I hear about him from time to time. He's uh, an American philosopher, 55 years old, born in Los Angeles, Talks about uh, all kinds of things, neuroscience, religion, ethics, psychedelics, politics. (laughs) All right. And he's shooting his mouth off about the things. I think he's getting roasted for this. Uh, He believes that it was totally fair to steal the election. Is that what I'm hearing? Cut 20. Uh, Give me the Sam Harris stuff. It's May 9th. One year ago today, James Comey. No, not that. Sam Harris. You guys just told me you got it. Sam Harris, did you guys figure it out yet? It's burning up the internet, you guys. No? Oh, all right. Well, uh, you guys, you know, I'm sorry, Kevin, but you got to stop wearing your baseball cap backwards. All right? Just you guys, the two of you guys, you look like from Pineapple Express in there. I mean, 15 minutes ago, I, we asked for this clip. It's in a significant clip. Well, I don't know. Sorry. All right. Well, I'll, maybe I'll just play it off my phone. Who needs you guys? Uh, Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Yep, there it is. Viral like anything. Hold the moment. Hold, hold the phone. And uh, no, nope, it's not going to be on his account. It's going to be everywhere else, though. Where do we go? Where? Here we go. Okay, I'm going to pump up the volume and I'll do it myself. Are you ready? In his basement. I mean, Hunter Biden. At that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared. Right? It's like it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not, it's like, it's not Joe Biden, but even if Joe Biden, like. All right. So that gives you a sense of this guy's, he's totally okay with, uh, he's totally okay with corpses in the basement. You know, there have been questions raised about children and uh, high government officials. And we got Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) He was running around and hanging with certain people. It's, It's a weird joke for him to make. All right, so I have to press stop because he's about to say the F word, and that is one of the precious, dangerous words that we can't have uttered on uh, the radio, even though I heard it six times uh, in the past 10 minutes off air, but okay. Uh, So how's it going with this stuff, all right? You'll take the F word out, and we'll hear what he says. I'll just tell you this. He's basically saying that uh, there was a conspiracy to take the election, and it was valid because Trump was that bad. He believes that Trump is corrupt. Therefore, they had every right to conspire to steal the election. That's uh, that's not the way it works. Okay, Uh, his proof of Trump's corruption, by the way, is Trump University. I haven't heard about Trump University in a long time, but because there were some uh, people who don't feel like they got their money's worth. uh, Therefore, you can do whatever you have to do to take Trump out. 
and to make your vote and my vote invalid. Well, that's pretty heinous stuff. And I don't care how smart they say Sam Harris is. Uh, seems like a pretty evil guy to me. And um, But that's something to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, let's see, what else? Halfway done with August. That's fine. Uh, Joe Biden remains on vacation. Where does he get off, huh? Where does he get off? Oh, I made the news myself a little bit. You know, when I go to war, well, I don't go to war with him, but uh, I give, what's his name, Pence, a hard time, and he deserves it. He's a weird wooden guy. Well, the Daily Beast picked up my comments yesterday on the TV show. Newsmax host snaps at Pence for mulling January 6th testimony. How dare he? Oh, you're playing the music? I'm about to tell you that I was in the newspaper. No big deal these days. Happens almost every day. All right, give me a call, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. Do I have to come back there or what? No? All right. Kevin, can I talk to you for a second? Just for a second. Can you acknowledge me? All right. What's up with the backwards hat? That's my style. You're not in eighth grade anymore. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I should put these uh, pictures on my Twitter. The man who was killed, the cab driver, uh, Kutin Gaima. He leaves behind a wife and four kids. Four ages, let's see here, three, five, seven, and eight. Uh, I've seen it. A gang of, uh, of kids, two of them girls kick the guy in the head, and then this guy, Austin Amos, turns around and punches the dude right in the head. He goes down, cracks the skull on the sidewalk. A GoFundMe page has been set up for the family. Let's see. Gaima is G-Y-I-M-A-H. His widow said her husband was a hard worker who never stopped working during the pandemic. He was a good, good man, said Abigail Barwa. He was my backbone. And I tell you, this picture is so beautiful. This family, the American dream, and then the American nightmare. This band of crazed, and I will bet everything that they were smoking weed. Totally on weed, right? That's what, (laughs) it's the exception. It's the exception when you find somebody who's not smoking. The rule is smoke. Toke it up. It's. Uh, did you see the guy, the squatter? It's uh, 8.30 in the morning, and that councilwoman gives him a hard time for how bad the house is, and he defiantly says, yeah, I'm smoking weed. What's it to you? That's what, uh, that's what people do now. Not me. I tried that stuff, and uh, I don't forget what they say. Oh, it helps with your anxiety. You know, a little bit of anxiety is a good thing. God gave us all these emotions, okay, for a reason, and anxiety sometimes will keep you out of trouble. A little bit of worry keeps you going, makes you, <laughs> you got to put some extra elbow grease in. Everything's going to be okay, but a little bit of anxiety is a is a good thing. Hey, I got a message for Democrats and the fake news. You're not the only ones who receive death threats, all right? I've gotten about a half dozen in my life, at least. I don't take them too seriously. I mean, I usually tell the cops or security or whatever, but somebody who wants to kill me is not going to announce it on the Internet first. I mean, if they really want to kill me, they'll just try to do it somehow. They'll be messing with the wrong Marine. But I, if they're serious, they don't generally say to everybody they're going to do it ahead of time. They just try to do it. I've noticed, and I've been studying this, that the fake news, they always ignore 
any kind of threats against Republicans. Or maybe Republicans just don't make such a big deal out of it because, as I said, if you're a public official, it kind of comes with the territory. It's not the biggest deal in the world. But if a Democrat gets one of these letters, and they shouldn't, by the way, it is totally illegal and it is wrong, but they really do make a federal case out of it. Maybe you got to technically make a federal case out of it, but this cut 30. A Michigan man is charged with terrorism after allegedly making death threats against prominent Democrats. The Villa Park Democrat was forced to close her office after receiving multiple death threats. Nevada Democratic Chair Roberta Lang has reportedly received death threats. Troubling GOP fantasies of killing Democrats, including President Biden. I've heard Madonna say out loud she wants to blow up the White House. Okay, I mean, these aren't uh, crazy people in the basement. These are mainstream celebrities. Johnny Depp who I guess is slightly more sympathetic in our eyes ever since the Amber Heard thing, whatever. But he went out and said, when's the last time an actor assassinated the president? <laughs> Referring, of course, to uh, John Wilkes Booth, Boothy, shooting uh, Abraham Lincoln in the head, in the booth at Ford's Theater. You ever been there, by the way? It's open. I have a very creepy feeling every time. I've been there like three times. And presidents have gone there since. I think that should be a no-go area if you're a if you're a president, why would you go back there? I think it's easy enough to avoid. It's a small little theater. It probably would have been knocked down a long time ago. Its claim to fame is what happened to uh, Honest Abe. Hey, how's this for breathless reporting? I mean, man, oh, man. Listen to the tone of voice uh, of this guy. All right. Cut 32. Republicans calling it a grab bag of no, not that, not that, not that woman. Let's try cut 33. And tonight, who the FBI has already interviewed from inside the Trump White House. Here's our senior national correspondent, Terry Moran, tonight. Tonight, ABC News has learned that the FBI has interviewed former Trump White House counsel Pat Cipollone and his former deputy about those documents stored at Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Wow, those documents, right? Why do they have to re- do the news like that? Does Jacqueline Carl talk like that? I don't think so. Why is she Why is it like he's trying to hustle us? Cut 34. They're the most senior former administration officials known to have been interviewed in this fast-moving investigation. This morning, Trump himself took to social media and called for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit behind that search at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, my God. A sworn document that spells out the evidence and justification for a search warrant. The Justice Department opposes its release. Opposes his release. And the the affidavit. Yikes, huh? Chill out. Does he always talk like this? Cut 35. But the Justice Department, in a court filing, warned that releasing the affidavit could disclose highly classified materials. Ay, ay, ay. Now, for whatever reason, when they're recording uh, their script, that's how they talk. But this is what he normally sounds like right after they played that tape report. You know, the anchor asked him that scripted question. You know, yeah, so it's so, uh, you know, you ask me this, I'll say that. And this is that moment. Now, his is the second voice. Cut 36. And so, Terry, we've now learned that a Florida judge will hear arguments on whether to release that affidavit that, of course, led to this search. The judge will hear those arguments on Thursday. That's right, David. And the Justice Department should be in a strong position. Affidavits for certain- Sounds pretty mellow in comparison. Hey, Anthony is on the phone in Suffolk County. Yes. Hello, Greg. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Hey, first, I love your show, love your radio, love the TV show. Big fan. Um... I just wanted to talk about the 2nd Congressional District in New York. 
where the incumbent Andrew Garbarino is being challenged by two people. Uh, we have Mike Rickbrandt, a Navy veteran, combat wounded veteran, and retired detective. Um, he's an awesome guy. Um, and uh, it seems like he doesn't get any publicity. There's a third person, but he's a, not a, not a good fella. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I got to admit, I never heard of this race or these people. Let me tell you something. Andrew Goldwyn is what's called a rhino. I'm sure you know what that means. Uh, he is definitely a rhino. He votes with Nancy Pelosi 94% of the time, and he's supposedly a Republican. Uh, Mike Rakebrandt is a fantastic person. <laughs> he is going to represent the second congressional district, and we got a primary next Tuesday. I just wanted to get the word out there. All right. And I'd like you to look him up. Well, I'll try. Uh, what the hell is his name again? Mike Rake Brandt. Rake Brandt. Yes. What kind of? He, all right. All right. What does he do? Who is he? Well, he's a retired detective. He retired two years early to run for Congress. Uh, he is a Navy veteran, fought in the Middle East, Purple Heart, wounded in combat. All right. Person, and uh, I feel like we're gaining steam. We're going to beat Garbarino. And um, I just wanted you to take a look at this race because it's it's. I'm I really more focused tight. on the uh, the Zeldin Hokel race. I can't stand Hokel, as well, you know. I uh, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm volunteering. All right. Well, look. Uh, good luck to your candidate. That's all I'm allowed to say in these matters right now. Yeah, and I agree with everything right. you said so far. Thanks, Anthony, very much. R- Rake. Rake Brecht. I got to check that. Second congrats. Wait, where is that? Oh, he's gone. Glenn in Hillside. Yeah, Greg, did you get your uh, beatdown and tongue lashing from uh, Curtis Sliwa yet? My beatdown and tongue lashing from Curtis Sliwa. How do you think things work around here, pal? doesn't work like uh, that. Well, I, you uh, know, well? He's, uh, he's Mr. WABC, and he just railed and railed on and on about you uh, remarking to uh, – John Gotti's daughter. Oh, I hear you're a big fan of WABC, and you're always oh, welcome. Yeah, I forgot about that. He got shot a couple of times uh, by the Gottis. Uh, you know, no, I didn't get a tongue lashing. Some of the things we say, uh, we just, you know, for the audience. And other than that, it's a job. You know what I mean? You come in, you come out. I love the guy, Curtis. I don't think he uh, – I forgot he got shot by the Gottis. Then again, wow. that's his beef, not mine, if you know what I mean. I don't want any problem with the Gottis. I'll tell you one thing I've told Curtis off air and on air. I think he should I think he should forgive the Gaudis. I think he should forgive I think it would be good for him. I think it would be good for the Gaudis. I think it would be good you know, I mean we've all done things. We want to be forgiven. Forgive us our sins, right? As we forgive those who trespass against us. And here you are, Glenn, calling from Hillside trying to stir up some office strife. How dare you? Hey, is it, is it, forgiving the Gaudis, is that going to put uh, his body parts back in him? Hey, Glenn, it's 30 years ago, all right? If people have forgiven people, I think it's a time to forgive. Who was the trigger man, by the way? I don't think it was John Gotti, and I also don't think it was John Jr. Gotti. Was it? But it came he got hit the with Gattis, the baseball bat as well. Uh, yeah, all right, all right. So he uh, chewed me out on the. I hope he. Uh, I, I hope it rated well. I. You know, I'm not going to hold it against Curtis. He's got to say what he's got to say. I've got to say, uh, I, you know, all right. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks. Appreciate okay. it. Bye, bye. Um, yeah, that's unnecessary. They're always trying to do this, uh, get the host to go to war with each other. You know who does that a lot? The Morning Crew. 
Sid and uh, Bernie, great guys. I hear they're always bitching and moaning about me. I wonder why. I never. Oh, one thing I do want to do is, can we call up Sid? A prank phone call? No, I want to get him. He just came out with a book. And I would like to interview him in the next hour if he's around. He's making noise about coming on my TV show. Uh, I don't know if I can make that happen. But I would love to have him on the the radio show. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right, you guys find that Sam Harris clip I've been telling you about? All right, so here it is. This uh, philosopher. Who the hell's a philosopher these days? Uh, talking about, he's well known though. He's popular uh, with the left, and here he is, basically. Well, he's saying a lot of things he probably shouldn't be saying. Go ahead. I mean, Hunter Biden at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared, right? It's like it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not. It's like it's not Joe Biden. But even if Joe, like even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is. Like if you if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right, or China, it is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. Like Stop. I mean, this guy is totally wrong, by the way, and totally creepy in pointing what corpses and Hunter of children and Hunter. He'd be okay with that. Is that what he did not care? All right, really strange stuff. I think he could, this is where he says, it's Trump University. That's the proof of the corruption. Keep going. It's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean, like, there's just, it doesn't even, it doesn't even stack up against Trump University, right? <laughs> Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in, in Hunter Biden's laptop. Stop. All right. Now, what is the worst that's in Hunter Biden's laptop? All right. Okay. That Biden and Hunter it looks like, received many millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party through an intermediary. And now foreign policy, our policy, has been warped, diminished. We are, we are owned by the Chinese. Joe Biden is owned because he's compromised. Hunter, we're giving him, I mean, that's worse then let's pretend for a moment that Trump University was uh, whatever, whatever it was. It, it, nobody went to. It was fine. Hell, if I heard of Trump University, I might have signed up. I would love to get some tips from the Donald about how to make it in real estate. It's no problem with Trump University. It only became a problem when he ran for president. Oh, yeah. That's when the state attorney general started coming around and trying to cause problems. A little bit more, please. I do. Right. Now, that's not that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account like that. That's a, just a conspiracy. That's a left wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely. It was absolutely right. But I think it was warranted. Right. And, I'm, and again, it's a coin toss as to whether or not Sam, I'm sorry. that particular piece I'm, I'm is, really yeah. sorry. I, I was the one that said we should move yeah, yeah. on. But you've just oh, said yeah. something I really struggle with it. there, which is the you kid, support. The, kid, the, kid, the kids in the basement? You, no, no. <laughs> f*** the kids in the basement. I'm interested yeah. in democracy. You're saying you are content with a left-wing conspiracy to prevent somebody being democratically re-elected as president. Well, no, I, I'm content. Well, so it's, but the thing is, it's just not left-wing, right? So Liz Cheney is not left-wing. 
right? Liz Cheney You'll is doing everything with a conspiracy in her power to prevent somebody no, being democratic. It, it's not like a, no, but there's nothing conspiracy. It's not. It, it was a conspiracy out in the open. It does, but it doesn't matter if it was. A, it doesn't matter what parts conspiracy, what parts out in the open. I mean, I think it's like if people get together and talk and talk about what should we do with, about this phenomenon. You know, if, if it's like if there if there was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth, and and we got in a room together with all of our friends and had a conversation about what we could do to deflect its course, right? Is that a conspiracy? I knew one of these guys would shoot off their mouths sooner or later. All right. So Donald Trump, he was that dangerous. He was that much of a threat to democracy. He wasn't, but that's what they had in their head and they had, they could do whatever it took a conspiracy to stop him. Well, Sam Harris, I appreciate you finally admitting it. You're not the only one, by the way. There have been other people, Molly Ball, Time Magazine, other admissions along the way. But we know what you did. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, I don't want to be. Did we hear from that lady I bought the walker for? We jumped through a few hoops to get it. And did she call back, acknowledge it? All right, do me a favor. Hey, Rich, do you have the number? Can we? Uh, I got it here. If you don't have it, all right, I would kind of like to know. I'm not looking for a pat on the back, although that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but I just want to make sure she got the, the, the thing. Uh, once again, Leslie had a walker. Somebody stole it. She got another one. Somebody vandalized it. Then she put it back together. Somebody stole it. And these things cost 175 bucks. So, um, you know, we got it for her, not because we're I'm a great person, but I didn't want to feel guilty. All right. I really would have felt guilty about it. I would like to know if this thing has been settled. And we'd like to thank Rainbow Supplies on Austin Street in Forest Hills if they delivered it. I, I, I don't know what the hell happened here. I think I would have heard from her by now. I don't know. I'm um, now. Now, I, people have been asking me, too. Um, hey. Joe Biden cares about women all right they really really do cut 21 the status of democracy also depends fundamentally on the empowerment of women not only because the exclusion of women in decision making is a marker of a flawed democracy but because the participation of women strengthens democracy women are drivers of economic growth wherever they are when women live free from the fear of violence, they can participate more fully and our democracy grows stronger. All right. I'll believe all that. That's not quite the way I would say it. I'm more about people. I don't think about men and women, but fine. OK, sure. I buy all that stuff. It is incredible that uh, Miss, Mrs. Woman of the Year there has blown off the women of Afghanistan who are living in sexual slavery, forced marriages, and torture. It's really happening in Afghanistan. Yeah, that country that we ruined and blew off a year ago. Uh, they are suffering beyond imagination right now. And Joe is at the beach. Hey, Leslie, I understand it all worked out. Is that you? Yes, it's me, and I want to thank you so very, very much. Well, I'm back in the game. What can I say? Is it a nice walker? Or is it, I... Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's pretty. It's lovely. It fits me perfectly, and I thank you so very much. Well, it's very my much. pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. You know, it's so heartbreaking to hear. You know, gosh, they stole your walker. They broke your walker. Uh, how's everything? People, you know, 
you think with the psychotic, people that are psychotic are only down in throwing people into the subways. They can be on the next street. They can be in an apartment around the corner. And they're nuts. I mean, whoever did this was who does that to somebody? And to take the walker and then throw the things into the into the path to the door, and then to destroy it, and then to take it away. The next morning, it's gone. I, and yeah. this is the. I mean, well, who does that? It's not normal. It's not a normal thing to do. No. But I mean, what can I say? Thank you. Thank oh, of you. Of course. Hey, Leslie. Before you go, tell me uh, how long have you been in New York? I've been born in New York. What can I say? I was born up in Westchester, and then we moved to Parkchester when I was a kid. And then we moved out here to Forest Hills to Queens uh, in 1957. And And, uh, then I lived in Flushing for a while. And uh, I'm a New Yorker. What can I tell you? But New York is going to hell. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I mean, it's a terrible thing. The police never came. I had called 311. Then they referred me to 911. And then nobody ever came. What can I say? Then I had called Heather's office. And she says, what do you want to do? Because I had had filed a report the last time they stole the walker. It took three months until I got the report. I mean, what can I say? This time, I mean, it was a gift from a friend, uh, the uh, the second walker that was stolen. So I didn't even bother again with the police. I just told Heather's office, I said, for goodness sake, send patrols around here. And now I'm worried about you walking with that. Where do you go with it generally? Where do you go? I go very early in the morning. I take and if I had to mail my letter or else I go down to 108th Street and just pick up one or two things and come right back as soon as the stores open. I'm an early bird, you know what I'm <laughs> saying, when there aren't too many people out. But you have to be careful even crossing the street. People make a left turn yeah. and you have the light with you. you got to be The people are not what they were. The cops are demoralized. The streets, after they pick up the sanitation stuff, the street is dirtier than when they started because I... half the things are in the street. All right. All right. Hold on a second. I know. I know. But let's look on the bright side. Uh, Let's see. We've got to find a bright side here. What do you like to do for fun? Uh, I watch my DVDs. And I, uh, whatchamacallit, I paint. I'm a painter. And I do decoupage. So that's what I do. What's that last thing? What? Dago, what? Take take a decoupage. Decoupage is cutting out different, uh, and you you pick a theme. Let's say you pick a theme of world capitals or world, you know, Europe, and you cut out from magazines and then you put it onto a canvas with glue and then you shellac over it and you have a uh, you know different uh, things. It can be floral, it can be uh, 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 greenery, it can be a color. I love it. Can it. Be a, World War II. I'm a World War II buff. Les- Leslie, do you have any kids? No. <laughs> what did you no. do for work? I taught. I was a teacher for years. I was a teacher for- in the New York City system. And uh, a few times in Q Forest School, when I, at different times, I had gone down with my husband to Florida. And by the time I came back, the, the license had lapsed. So until they reinstated the license, I worked for a while in Q Forest School. And then I went back to the city system. But I was an old hand. I started to on and off. And then my Wait, Q Forest School. Q Forest School. Isn't that where Trump went? Yes. yes. How about that? Yeah. How yeah. about that? He went, yeah. and they, you know what? He misbehaved in that school, so they sent him to military school. 
I was not going to say it. You said it. <laughs> but that's a lovely school. I've seen pictures of it. Well, Leslie, it's a pleasure to have met you. Happy to help. Keep in touch, okay? Thank you so much. You bet. Bye-bye. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I put stupid Instagram back into my phone, and the pictures are just, it's so, I mean, here's a picture of a dog with another dog, and it's just a great picture. It's black and white. Here's a picture of that crazy street in San Francisco that goes uh, zigzags all the way down from the 1970s. I just, you know, just weird, random stuff, and it works. Some old firehouse in 1930 and the same firehouse today. Uh, Architecture, airplanes, watches, girls in bathing suits, a kid in an astronaut outfit, Alcatraz. It is pretty amazing stuff, but you can just, it's so mesmerizing. It's, It's far more addictive than watching television. I mean, it just, and it's 10 times better. Quite frankly, I could sit. I, I, I can't watch TV anymore. Uh, it doesn't happen fast enough. Yeah, then you want something to happen and, you know, you got to wait on them with the phone. You can just keep scrolling. Oh, here's a great picture of the George Washington Bridge. It's not probably 1950 or so with all kinds of old timey cars. Hey, they should do this again. Oh, no, they no. Okay. I was going to say, it looked like everything on the upper level was going in one direction, but no, it's uh, two directions. Anyway, do you like Instagram? I'm uh, I'm all right. Hey, this is interesting. Brian Stelter, well, it's not that interesting. It's a bit of an inside-the-media story, but uh, Brian Stelter, who's the like resident media critic over at CNN, is leaving CNN. Uh, CNN personality Brian Stelter is leaving the network during an ongoing shakeup at the left-leaning cable news outlet, uh, confirmed on t- Thursday, CNN is also canceling Stelter's show, Reliable Sources. Stelter confirmed his exit in a statement to NPR, said he would provide more details when the final episode of the show airs on Sunday. Well, that's that's kind of nice. It's not like they told him to leave immediately. <laughs> that sometimes happens when you get the axe. He can do one more show. That's nice. The whole concept of reliable sources, having a show that looks at, analyzes, uh, critiques media coverage, what the media does, what is media, what does the word even mean? Most people even in media don't know what it means. By the way, it's the plural of medium, media. Uh, what else? I uh, He was definitely a lefty, not always, but uh, became one big time. Came after me from time to time. Uh, I think he had a bit of a conflict of interest because he was having high profile guests from Apple TV, you know, from Google, places where he perhaps wanted to, um, you know, launch his next TV show. And he produces some TV shows like The Morning Show on Apple TV. He was one of the producers, which is a pretty good show, by the way. Uh, This had to come to an end. There's a new guy over there, Chris Licht, running CNN. And in my opinion, he hasn't been making changes fast enough. Uh, it's like, okay, we got the new guy. I think he took over in May, and this is the first big thing he did, and it's only a half hour of Sunday programming. I mean, nothing else really has changed. That silly morning show sucks. It always has. Um, now, he's supposed to be a boy wonder when it comes to morning programming. Uh, I I don't see it. I think he's got one of those situations maybe where he has like 75 bosses, and and it may not be totally up to him. Uh, what else? Um, uh, hey, is Herschel Walker going to be okay? 
He's running for senator in Georgia, and he's having some problems. I'm a little worried about him. I like him. We follow each other on Twitter. Good guy, fantastic athlete, spoke at the Republican National Convention, big fan of Trump. Um, but it doesn't it looks like it's bumpier than it should be. Bumpier than it should be. Same goes in Ohio for JD Vance. That race should not be as competitive as it is. And this guy Tim Ryan has given him a problem, the congressman. I think he should be running away with it right now. Uh, yeah, the mainstream. It's August. August is a weird month. A lot of people are totally relaxed and chillaxed. Uh, Barbara in Huntington, welcome back. How are you? I'm fine. I'm glad to be back. I just spent two adventurous days in New York City, and I came away just shaking my head and just so sad. And if you are ever thinking, as you've mentioned, of running for mayor, I give you a ton of credit because New York City needs someone like you so badly. Uh, I'm not raising money right now, and I am not soliciting anything. But if I did run, would you give me a ton of money? Because that's what it would take. Uh, well, if I had that, a ton of money, that, I'd give it to you. I don't need a, a ton of, of money. Would. I mean, I would need I would need money. You know, I got a lot of people mm-hmm. who call from the suburbs, don't live here. You can't vote for me. If I did run, I would be asking you for money. I don't know how I'd feel about it. Actually, I think I'd do pretty fine at that. I think I'd have no problem. I know a lot of people say uh, they hate the fundraising aspect. I heard one politician, he said, you know what? I actually don't mind it. I'm like, why? Well, you can tell exactly how you're doing. You know, you've got 50 phone mm-hmm. calls to make, you know what I mean? And then you can actually gauge how you're doing. You can keep score. And he didn't mind it, this this one guy said. But anyway, keep that in mind. If I do run, I'm going to need financial support. I'm not Bloomberg. I can't do this on my own. I'll give myself some money. I'll lend my campaign some money, but I can't I can't self-finance. So, I, uh, think get, I think you would get support from all over New York State and maybe all over the country. I just had relatives who were in New York City for a one-day visit. They were harassed on the streets. The the urine on the streets, the activity that takes care on the streets, they never want to come back again. And that's just one little part of what is going on in that city that is so unacceptable. The city has become a mean place. People are not kind to each other. People are not only hurting each other viciously for no reason, but they're also just there's a new level of rude, rudeness and carelessness yeah. about their fellow city visitors and residents. I noticed a wariness, people looking at each other. You know, I used to walk down the street, you know, occasionally you make eye contact. People would nod at each other. You know, hello, hello. doesn't matter who you are, what you look like. People would kind of acknowledge each other. And that never happens. And when they do notice you, they eye you with suspicion. So, Barbara, thank you. Sorry your friends had a terrible time. We're going to try to change that. Let's do one more. Gracie is up in Rockland County. Hi, Gracie. Hi, Greg. How are you? Thank you. Listen, you know, I love Trump. I loved him from when he uh, walked down the the escalator because I knew he was the only one who could take care of Hillary. Now, the people that are against him, Democrats and never Trumpsters, they just make Statement after statement after statement, but they never meet, they never flesh out the statement. 
He twitters. He's mean. I want examples. What that other guy said, the college. What happened with the college? Give me examples. Some people thought they were going to come out of it and be him with billions. I mean, you got to flesh these things out. You, and you cannot talk to these people who have something against Trump. I, I ran into, I was playing cards, someone new came, and she's, I'm a Republican, she says. But I don't like Trump. He trumps. Uh, he trumps. He twits. He's a tweet. He's mean. I was going to say, I started to say something, but somebody else who's a Trumpster says, no, 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 we got to play cards. It's hopeless. I want the comments fleshed out like in an essay paper well i mean come on you're playing cards no one's gonna stop and write you a little term paper no 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 no. i jumped to something else i don't expect there i kept quiet look but i mean you like him and i like him i if somebody came to me and said you know what i can't stand him he's mean he tweets he's this he's that i'm really right. not gonna i mean that's you it's a free country you can feel that way and let's face it trump can be for some people he's tough to take i don't need an essay i know what they're talking about I, yeah, I disagree, but, but I, I know what they're talking about. Yeah, but but people who really don't know that much and just listen to a little bit, with, like you listen to the media, what that fellow said, I never heard of him, the 50-year-old that the young people like, you know what I mean? Yeah. With the college business. But you gotta, you have to have some examples. People are very, very uninformed. If you could give me reasons, like I know why I don't like Biden. I know why I didn't like Hillary. I could give you five reasons. And they're not because she wore pantsuits. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And actually, if you try to narrow down somebody on Trump, okay, I know you don't like his style. I know you don't like, okay, you don't like that. You didn't like the tweets. You don't like some of the stuff he says. What do you dislike about his policies? And at this point, they're probably really angry and just want to, sh- you know, shut the conversation down anyway. But he's really they're really hard to pin down. Like, what policies don't you like? And then it becomes a little bit murkier and they look off for a moment and then and then they'll come. Ah, he's just a well, he's a jerk. And they rip people. They, they really, you know, generally speaking, uh, uh, except in New York, you know, right to life, pro-life, that kind of stuff. But people have had conversations and debates about that for a long time. Anyway. Let's face it, Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing, and uh, just be glad that we don't got it. Okay, Gracie? Yes, sir. All right. Take it easy. Uh, uh, They're having a pizza party across the street. You know, pizza, oh, goodness gracious. I love it, but man, oh, man, oh, man, it puts me in a coma. I think I have celiac, which I think is what makes me gluten intolerant. If I have a piece of bread, I am like totally, I just... I generally avoid car. If I have a piece of cake, I basically have to go home sick. I can't handle it. I can't handle this uh, this food. I was going all protein Atkins for a long time, and then I went back, and that's why I think I'm so sluggish. I've been very sluggish this week. I had some scones. My wife is now quite the baker. She makes things, uh, which is a beautiful thing, and our kids love it. Oh, by the way, I think I have my kids saying something. I got her talking this morning. Give me a moment. One moment, please. Uh, I tried to get her saying something. What date is today? Oh, shoot. I didn't. Uh, let me show you if this one is. Hold on. What? The desk office. What about my office? The desk office. Uh, what about a bee? Hey, what are you doing? What noise does a bee make? 
else on your mind right now? No? That was it. You hear all the sound effects in the background, and like it's it really is when you have a kid and all the toys, it's like it's like um you know, walking into Nunley's. It's like walking into a little carnival all the time. I think it's it's beautiful and man, what is a I don't understand how she learned that about bees. And right now she's obsessed with helicopters. She and she's very particular. She wants to see a red helicopter or a blue helicopter. Today I showed her a New York City Police Department helicopter. Hey, that's one thing I wish I got to do. And to tell you how like, you know, you know, I never actually flew in a New York City helicopter. My dad was a police commissioner for 12 years. I didn't get to fly in a helicopter. I would have loved that. But uh, those guys are amazing down at Floyd Bennett Field. They got great equipment, great helicopters, great pilots. They really know what they're doing. And it's one of the best jobs in aviation. I watched an interview with a guy today. He said, you can go from Floyd Bennett Field, which, you know, that's basically by down by the Rockaways. You know, it's way down the southern edge of Brooklyn. You can take a helicopter from there and fly to the northern tip of the Bronx in five minutes. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine that? How long would that take you via public transportation? Two hours. Uh, anyway, hats off to the helicopter guys down at Floyd Bennett Field. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Still can't get over this. This poor cab driver killed by that gang down in the Rockaways. Uh, a gang, well, it looks like five of them, teenagers, early 20s. Two of the women, one of them is kicking the guy right in the head. And he died. His name, uh, Kutin Jamaya, and he leaves behind a wife and four kids. Four. Uh, just absolutely horrible. I am, what else about this? Uh, the wife is, oh, the kids were three, five, seven, and eight. Cab driver worked all through the pandemic. You know, a lot of people uh, didn't. He did. And uh, she's totally brokenhearted. He was a good, good man. There is a way you can uh, raise money uh, or contribute money. I think I'm going to say this. I'm not so, well, whatever. If you want to be, there's a GoFundMe page for this guy, his family, four kids, taxi driver. You know, something tells me uh, they don't make a whole heck of a lot of money. And it's, he's a very dignified looking guy. And the wife is absolutely beautiful. Just a princess, really. And a king and a princess, the guy who did it in custody allegedly did it. Austin Amos. What was he thinking, huh? And how long will he be in custody? I can't believe it. You know, we've all seen those viral videos of somebody being punched in the face for no reason. Hey, number one, I think television lied to us. Imagine that for uh, 70 years, the entire history of television. How many times have you seen somebody get punched on TV, right? It's like you punch them and then they fall down. And then two minutes later, they're back up and in the next scene. Nobody ever on television gets punched and dies from the punch. Well, it happens all the time in the real world. All right? You get punched and you can die, especially that fall. You hit the ground and you crack your head open. That's what happened to him. Uh, Punching somebody. Hey, punching somebody and breaking their jaw? You've altered their life. You've changed them. I have a friend who had his jaw broken in a fight. He was on a tube. He was eating uh, uh, smoothies for four months. He lost 75 pounds, but um, be careful out there, real careful out there. You know, I used to be one of those guys, hey, what are you looking at, you know? Uh, if you uh, 
You know, you looked at me funny. Yeah, yeah. What, what, who, who do you think you are? What are you looking at? You know, arguing about the traffic, stupid stuff like that. No way. Oh, yes. Okay. Have a nice day. Uh, you're right. That was my fault. I'm so sorry. Totally uh, respect. Sorry. I'm going there. You, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm terrible. I'm not, I'm not going to have any uh, quarrel about anything with some, with a stranger. That's it. And avoid crowds. I don't need to go to any concert or the Yankee game or the Met game anymore. Those days are over, at least for me. Kathy, hello. Yeah, Greg, I'm here. I just wanted to say that there's a day when the lady, the lady called and she said about her walker. It touched my heart right away. And I said, oh, God, I hope Greg volunteers to buy her one. And then you did, and you did, and 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 to, to who gives God gives much, much is expected, and we don't we do things from our heart, Greg. And I wanted to say, I'm sure she appreciated it as much as I did for her. Well, you're so Remember kind, me? Kathy. Thank you. Wow, it's no. nice. I, you know, look, it was as I really said, I just would have felt so guilty if I didn't do it. It wasn't, and. Uh, you got to be careful about this. Look at me. I'm such a great guy. I didn't want to feel guilty. I really, I, it broke my heart like it broke yours. So, uh, and we, we all, we all got to do that from time to time. So, uh, uh, as much as we can, Kathy, thank you. What else is going on? Oh, uh, well, you know what else I was thinking, Greg, because we're born and raised in New York is I was thinking that we're far, you know, everybody like they call the show and they call the other shows. There's a lot of us like-minded New Yorkers that want to save our town. You know, they want to... What I was watching Home Alone not too long ago with one of my granddaughters, and she said, oh, Grandma, was that the way New York used to be? And I said, yes, darling, and I don't think it's going to be like that anymore. And why why did we allow these lunatics to take over? How could we have done that? It's uh, there's a long, unfortunate, totally unnecessary slide and uh, there are a couple of names. Uh, you can actually pin this on a couple of individuals. Uh, Bill de Blasio, first and foremost. The man is a liar. Uh, he lied about the New York City Police Department. He created a racial problem where there was no racial problem. Just a terrible, awful person. But it wasn't just New York. It was the woke left. It was the media. It was uh, George Soros. It was a campaign. It was Barack Obama. Oh, boy, was it Barack Obama who wanted to undo all these decades of progress and get everybody at each other's throats over race. Gosh, we had come so far. We were in a great place, great place, and it was ruined. I think we can come back. Hey, let's face it, though. I mean, if you really think back, you're old enough. You might remember, I mean, the late 60s, early 70s, you know, the Weathermen, the Underground, uh, the Symbionese Liberation Army. They, they were hijacking planes literally like for a month. What else is going on? Uh, uh, cops, I think something like 10 police officers were shot in 1972. Can you imagine that? 10 police officers killed assassination style in one year. So I know it's bad right now, but we've been through worse and we're going to get through this. It might take me running for mayor, but we are going to take get through this. All right? Yes, absolutely. Run for mayor. God will have your back. All right. God will have your back. God I, bless you. Thank you, Kathy, so take much. Care. Kat, thank Bye. you. Wow. Bye. Uh, I'll remember those words. God, oh God, I don't want to let him down. Trust him and obey him. Trust him and obey him. Trust and obey.
That's that's what it's about. All right. Am I at that time? I am at that time. I'll uh, be right back. Podcast Network. Well, one of the best books I've read in a long time is The President's Man, The Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aide. And that trusted aide is Dwight Chapin. He began working for President Nixon. At the time, he was former Vice President Nixon. Um, when Dwight Chapin was only, I believe, in college, he was in his, uh, he was like 20 years old, very, very young, uh, stayed with him through thick and thin. And now this book, Dwight Chapin joins us now. Dwight Chapin, how you doing? Many thanks. Terrific, Greg. Uh, it's wonderful to talk to you. You know, Dwight, uh, first of all, your name is familiar for anybody who knows Nixon and has read about him. You've <laughs> been there for so much. But long story short, what is it like? When your boss is the president of the United States, I mean, <laughs> you had your office basically right next door to him for a little while. Just do you ever get used to it? You never get used to it if you're smart. Uh, I, it, it's a privilege, uh, a great privilege. And I, I feel blessed that at an early age in my life, I was given that opportunity. Of course, you you have to perform. You have to you have to uh, make certain that you're, you know, bringing in your A game every day in, a, in, or, in order to keep your slot. How old were you when you first uh, met Nixon? I first met Nixon. I, I was uh, 21 years old. It was in 1962, and he was running for governor in California. He had lost to Jack Kennedy in the uh, presidential race of 1960 and went back out to California where he was from. And he was trying to keep his political credentials active. So he was running for governor out there. And of course he got beat as you know, so well. So, and then, but it started a long professional relationship and I believe friendship for you and uh, so many incredible opportunities. Hey, one little story in your book, I always wanted to ask you about, I think you're in uh you're all the presidential party is in Hawaii. You go out to the beach and you take a nap. And what happened next? Oh, that, well, what was really unusual is I was out on that beach in Hawaii because of the time change. We had flown in from the East Coast. So I was literally laying on the beach as the sun came over the horizon. So it was very early in the morning. I would say maybe uh, 530 or 6 in the morning. And 
uh, I hear these footsteps, and all of a sudden, I hear the president's voice saying, you're out here? Uh, and he was taking a walk with the Secret Service, and I'm I'm laying on the beach. I've opened my eyes and looking straight up and looking right down at me is Richard Nixon. It was it was quite a moment. <laughs> hey, you now speaking of Richard Nixon on the beach, uh, the fake news they gave him a real hard time. I mean, about everything, including uh, when he went for a walk on the beach. And they made fun of him for wearing wingtip shoes or something like that. Was that true? No, it was not. I think it was hush puppies. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I think it was a winter day out in, in California. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't uh, a, a normal thing. Most people would go for a beach, a beach walk barefooted, but he had on his hush, hush puppies or something, some, some kind of a shoe. And he, he got holy hell for that. I mean, the media never let up on that. You think I think, though, would you agree it was, you know, because it was Nixon? I mean, they would look over just about anything in a Democrat president. I mean, especially Jack Kennedy. I mean, they looked over. They 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 turned away. They gave him a pass for everything. He's uh, I mean, he's basically having relations with uh, teenage girls in the White House pool and they don't write a word about it. Nixon goes for a walk in shoes and they they can't stop they can't stop themselves, huh? Right. Well, there there surely uh, was a double standard when it came to the media, and uh, Nixon had to put up with that over over a long uh, part of his career. Uh, part of it, I think, be, you know, the the media was liberal. Nixon had beat one of the most popular congressmen, Jerry Voorhees. He had been Jerry Voorhees, who Nixon ran against in his first election for Congress. Jerry Voorhees had been voted the best-liked congressman in Washington, D.C., and, and Nixon beat him. Then he beat Helen Cahagan Douglas, who was a very prominent uh, Democrat out for the Senate seat out in California. And then he had put away Alger Hiss, who was a spy that Nixon's committee uh, – had found uh, working at the State Department, and and so Nixon kind of is gets a reputation with the media early on of being uh, this partisan political operative, and then of course he runs for vice president with Eisenhower, and Eisenhower stays above politics. He's not about ready to get into a political fray, and who carries the political water? Nixon. For eight years, he carries that political water. So the media really, you know, pushed him into a, a, a corner and had him there and kept him there his whole career. Well, we're talking about Richard Nixon with his most trusted aide, Dwight Chapin. And here's a little bit of what Richard Nixon sounds like. We have it queued up. I'm not sure when from his presidency, but let's take a listen. OK, As we look at America. We see cities enveloped in smoke and flame. We hear sirens in the night. We see Americans dying on distant battlefields abroad. We see Americans hating each other, fighting each other, killing each other at home. And as we see and hear these things, millions of Americans cry out in anguish. Did we come all this way for this? Did American boys die in Normandy and Korea and in Valley Forge for this? Listen to the answer to those questions. It is another voice, 
It is the quiet voice in the tumult of the shouting. It is the voice of the great majority of Americans, the forgotten Americans, the non-shouters, the non-demonstrators. They're not racist or sick. They're not guilty of the crime that plagues the land. They are black and they're white. They're native-born and foreign-born. They're young and they're old. They work in America's factories. They run America's businesses. They serve in government. They provide most of the soldiers who died to keep us free. They give drive to the spirit of America. They give lift to the American dream. They give steel to the backbone of America. They're good people. They're wow. decent people. Hey. They work and they save and they pay their taxes. and they. I care. hate to cut off the president, but that speech is 54 years old or so. Do you recognize that, Dwight? Absolutely. I was standing right near him when that happened in Miami at the Republican convention in 1968 when he accepted the nomination. It's one of the great, great acceptance speeches of all time. And I am so pleased you played that because it it, it underscores something that I make uh, when I'm talking to an audience and so forth. Nixon was a phenomenal orator. I mean, that speech, which he crafted himself sitting on the beach out in Montauk, he worked on it for days, and and he is speaking from his heart. Did we come all the way for this, he asks? I mean, these were huge questions. And, and you know, it's that, that segment that you played, Greg, is as applicable today as it was in 1968. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's kind of chilling. And you're right about the delivery. It's chilling. And, and for you to play that, for that to have been picked and played today is, is phenomenal and good for you. Well, um, I'm going to have to thank Rich, our producer. I said, let's get some sound good of Nixon. Good for Rich. Good for Rich <laughs> well, uh, we just Googled Rich, Nixon. Rich a good one. It, it just popped up. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of a divine providence when these things happen. I am going to play that tonight on my Newsmax show. It's so applicable. Wow. So you were right there. He wins the election. Oh, and if you don't mind, tell the story about, okay, so Nixon wins. It's a tight election. He beats... Uh, Hubert Humphrey. And for a while there, you know, either one could win. But Hubert Humphrey loses. He's the vice president. He loses. And they get together for a special meeting uh, after the election. What happened? Yes, this is a story that's in my book, The President's Man. Uh, Humphrey came down to pay his respects to Nixon, the victor. Just as uh, eight years before, Nixon had gone down to Florida to pay his regards to Jack Kennedy, the victor. Uh, the two men met. Uh, they 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 talked privately. I had taken them up to this uh, room that they were meeting in. I had gone in two or three different times to interrupt the meeting, as um, the, Mr. Nixon had instructed me to do. Uh, he waved me off on the final time that I walked into the room. It was an unbelievable scene. Uh, Richard Nixon was standing there. Humphrey was uh, Hubert Humphrey, senator, vice president of the United States at this point, is kind of sobbing. I mean, he, he was obviously emotionally drained. Uh, Nixon had beat him. Nixon has his arm around Humphrey's shoulder. Humphrey's arm is over Nixon's shoulder. And these two warriors are, are there standing, and Nixon's comforting him. And uh, uh, Humphrey is saying something like, uh, 
Dick, I'll do anything for you. Let me know what you want to do, what you want me to do. And Nixon's kind of patting. He says, uh, Hubert, you and Muriel. Uh, Muriel was his wife's name. You and Muriel, go take a vacation. We'll be in touch as soon as you get back. And uh, and, and that's the scene that I saw, uh, which had it was such an Americana type moment. I mean, it was the Warriors. It was the end of the fight. It was here two two guys uh, kind of saluting one another, and no one else saw that but me. That's amazing, and it's uh, you do such a you're one hell of a writer, uh, Mister Chapin. You can read it in his book, uh, The President's Man. Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aid, uh, a real gem of a book and a real contribution for us uh, Nixon buffs. Hey, Dwight Chapin, when you pay for stuff, when you put your credit card down, I bet to this day, you know, not always, but sometimes that name, Dwight Chapin, are you, how does that, I'm sure it happens less, but it certainly happened. Does it still happen? Uh, not like it, not like it used to, but the book uh, has sur- surfaced a little bit of uh, recognition. Uh, of course, t- to me, that's that's not what this thing is all about. What what it is about for me is having people understand that there's more to Richard Nixon than Watergate in China. That he was an incredible leader. He was a man of vision, had ideas. He got things done, uh, and that—that's the story I want told. Not—not not what happened with me. No, I know, I know. I just—it's a little thing because that name still is a—it's a—it's you're—you're—you're part of history, you know. I and I wonder about that, like Jared Kushner. Everyone's talking about Jared Kushner. Well, you know, one day Jared Kushner's life will not look like it does now, and uh, it's interesting. But the important things are uh, are not that. The important things are. Uh, well, we know what they are, and this book is important. So Dwight Chapin, check out his book. I, I did read this cover to cover. Uh, I inhaled it. I loved it. Uh, so many rich details, things that have not been written anywhere else. It's called The President's Man, The Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aid. Dwight Chapin, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Greg, and thanks for the podcast. I've gotten great response from the podcast you did. Ah, beautiful. Yes, uh, indeed. I'm going to plug my podcast. It's greatkellypodcast.com. <laughs> Thank you, Dwight. <laughs> All the best. Um, good stuff. It really, meeting Dwight uh, was quite an experience because I had seen his name a million times in various history books. I've read almost every biography there is. I think every biography there is on Richard Nixon and the name Dwight Chapin was all over the place. And then in 2002, I got word that uh, Dwight Chapin, you know, saw something I said on TV and liked it and told somebody and it got back to me. I'm like, that guy knows who I am. It was just an extraordinary moment. It was the first time like somebody, a high profile person seemed to know who I was. I just I just thought it was really cool. Anyway, look, where are we? Uh, Is it time? It's pretty much time. I'll be right back, and then i got to get ready for the big Newsmax show tonight and the weekend, of course. Be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I just thought of something. You know, uh, Liz Cheney is leaving, and so is Adam Kinzinger. He's gone. You are gone, and that's wonderful. Cut one. I also want to remind my fellow Republicans. No, not him. Cut 41. 
But the bottom line is, I think this is sending a very strong message that this isn't your dad's Republican Party anymore. This isn't a party that's committed to truth. This is a party that's committed to conspiracy. Mark and your your prior uh, your guest had said something about you know people in Congress now don't really believe it. I, I I don't think they do believe the big lie and the conspiracies. What I worry about is the next generation of people that have just been elected. They're going to be here next year. They do believe these conspiracies. That's very frightening. Very frightening. Has he noticed that conspiracy theories, that today's conspiracy theorist is uh, tomorrow's truth teller? All right? You know, and we already know, we already know it's scary to Adam Kinzinger, this 34-year-old punk career politician, been running for office since he was 20 years old. It's scary. Well, read the Supreme Court decision from Wisconsin. Is that scary? Does it frighten you? When the Supreme Court of Wisconsin said that the ballot drop boxes were illegal. That's how that's how Joe Biden managed to, quote unquote, win in Wisconsin. Major problems with 2020. All right. I got to go across the street. Pasquale is in Hoboken. Yeah. Hello. Uh, yes. <clears throat> yes. How you doing, Greg? I'm from Italy. Uh, I've been here a couple of years. Uh, what's going on with our good country? You're a Marine. You're a fighter. What was once great is Joe Biden is a, a jellyfish. He had no backbone. And yeah. he's devil, devil of son. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. That's it? No, no, I just got to pull I just got to pull it over by the sheriff. Yeah, I got to go. I got to All go. right, see you later. Ciao, ciao. All right. Yeah, yeah. See, I feel like I was being busted on. Is he true? I don't know about that. All right. Um, let's see here. Michael in Westchester. Hi, Greg Kelly. Hello, Greg Kelly. How are you? I'd just like to talk about, you talked about law enforcement officers that were killed in the line of duty. There were two brave law enforcement officers that were killed in the line of duty by terrorists. And all brave law enforcement officers in New York City and the United States are brave that protect us and protect them. The two officers that were killed were Rocco Laurie and Gregory Foster. I know what you're talking about. Uh, that was all the way back in ni- 1970, I believe, right? That's right. I think your father was just coming on the job, coming out of the Marine Corps at that time, Greg. Okay? And let's not forget about these people. These people go to work every day. They don't think twice about what they have to do. They just do it. And they protect us, and they protect them. Why do you they mention those two cops? Why, why those cops? Greg, I was a little boy back then, and I read a lot, and I remember how those two officers were assassinated on a Harlem street, if I'm correct. They just came on the job, and they were working the 4 to 12 shift, and it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. And that was a horrible time. You know what I remember? And it's interesting because a lot of these people, they have preconceived notions about what cops look like and who they are. But Gregory Foster and Rocco Lori, Rocco was white, Gregory Foster was black. And Correct. I remember a photograph of their widows grieving together. That's and right. Greg. Very powerful image. And very powerful image, Greg, that's forgotten today. And it's forgotten about every law enforcement officer that goes to work and protects us and protects them. 
Ask your father and ask your mother. Your mother must have worried a lot about your dad going to work. Well, I, I remember as a kid, I mean, the idea of my dad getting shot at work was like a real thing. I mean, it was a real, like, you know, it was in the air, like something bad could happen. And then that went away for a long time, and now it's back in a big way. So Rocco Laurie and, um, and Gregory Foster actually... Uh, no, I'm going to remind people about that in a pretty unique way uh, down the road. I'll tell you more about it when I can. Michael, thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Austin is standing by in Tennessee. Yes. Hey, Greg. Uh, I just wanted to ask kind of something that's been not in the news like at all. Uh, have you seen or heard anything about the Azov Battalion from like uh, like what Russia is saying and reporting about them? Oh, is it like the Nazi Brigade or something like that? Yeah, kind of like that, but like also kind of like perpetuating war crimes and stuff. Like, Look, you know, I haven't heard a damn Nazi. thing about Ukraine in like two months. It seems like uh, the, it's a total. Uh, you know, the American media just moved on. It became uh, you know, just got bogged down and. Uh, People get tired of these things. It's kind of strange, but it also happens to be human nature. You know, the guy mentioned my dad. One of the big shocks my dad had, he told me, I said, were you, uh, you know, were you traumatized? Did you have this? Did you have that? And he said the big thing that he came <laughs> that surprised him when he got home was, you know, he just was in a war. And he gets back, he opens the New York Times, and it's like a little column, a little article on page like, 27. <laughs> he was just like, he thought it was the biggest story in the world, but nobody really was paying attention. It's kind of like what's happening right now, but I don't know anything else. Anything else you wanted to say? Yeah. Uh, if you go on YouTube, there's a mm. guy called Patrick Lancaster. He's an American journalist that's been living over there for like eight years, and he tells a story that I think somebody needs to be paying attention to, and I'd really appreciate it if you had if you got time, Patrick Lancaster. All right, Patrick Lancaster on YouTube. Oh, I will check it out. All right, one more. Brenda in New Jersey. Yes, hi. Oh, Greg, thanks for taking my call. I have to ask you, do you think that Liz Cheney would run on the Democratic ticket? They have nobody to run. No, she will not run as a Democrat. She is pro life they'll never you know look she has no chance period you know she has no chance um will she try to pull a Mitt Romney independent who the hell knows uh I can't stand her uh she just got 28 percent of the vote so of course what do you do when you have no support in your base you run for president who's the last guy who did something like that uh Rick Santorum nice guy but couldn't believe it. He loses his re-election bid, and then he goes out and he runs for president. He came in like 13th place. I don't think so. No, I, I, yeah. What? Yeah, I don't like her either, but I know the Democrats are desperate, and I think she's tight with Nancy Pelosi. That's why I uh, you know, was thinking about it. Yeah, no. I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. Uh guy has failed uh, spectacularly, but uh, he's got great hair, and he's thin. All right, Brenda, two more. Uh, Connie in New Jersey. Uh, I lost you, Connie. Glenn in New Jersey. Yeah, um, um, the recall of uh, George Gaston. Yeah, it didn't work. They got uh, 750,000 recall ballots, and they disqualified 30% of them. But in the 2020 election, they only uh, disqualified 1% of the ballots for the presidential election. Uh that wasn't ballots. It was signatures that they uh, kicked out, 30% signatures. And it's different with ballots and signatures. Signatures are 
much more prone to mistakes. Look, I don't like the guy, but recalling somebody is really hard. The good news is he will lose when he's up for election. I'll see you tonight at 10 o'clock on Newsmax. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.